Let's start off in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for uh, all of these children that are uh, here and that are exiting now. And just thank you for uh, the blessing that they are, God. We pray that you will just give us a a, a spirit of, of, of tranquility, Lord. Calm our minds this morning to be able to hear Uh, what you would speak to us. God, thank you for making us uh, righteous. Because of ourselves, all we can make is a mess. Thank you for being good. Because you don't have to be. But you are. I praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Well, no ships on the stage today. So... So hopefully you enjoyed uh, the ships, but that ship has sailed. Last one. This is the last one, I think. Uh, but today we are talking about exiting, and we have all had to exit at some point. Uh, we have had to leave seasons. We've had to leave struggles. Uh, we've had to leave things that we enjoy. It is a necessary part of life, but it's never an easy part of life. We're going to be talking about exiting, when to exit, and how to exit. And through that, we're going through Exodus. One thing that I will not be talking about is giving up on following Jesus, giving up on your marriage. That, don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way. But there are things that we need to exit. And one day, this is a Christian, this is a fundamental, basic Christian belief, one day we will exit this world. And, uh, and, and I, I don't, I'm not in a doom and gloom situation or mindset when I say this, but I look forward to that. I look forward to exiting this place and uh, our job is to make sure that those that we love don't miss their exit right because we are traveling we are aliens in a foreign land okay here we go Genesis chapter 12 is the first place that I'm going to take you I'm going to make this history as brief as possible, uh, because we could spend literally years on the introduction to this message. Genesis is such a vast array of principles and beginnings of stories and symbols that will go throughout the Bible that and I, I would challenge you, and I don't, I don't, I'm not super dogmatic about this, like, oh, this is true, and if you don't believe this, you're wrong, but I would challenge you, find a theme in the Bible that doesn't have its origin in Genesis. I bet you can't. It all starts in Genesis. And so uh, our story is going to start in Genesis. So I'm taking you there. So you know that God creates the world uh, and, and chooses the people and promises that one day through this people a Messiah will come, right? Well, when he chooses that people, uh, the man that this is going to begin with, his name is Abram, later called Abraham. So in Genesis 12:7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So he tells 
Abram, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. Well, what land is he in? That is the land that you know of, that your fathers and forefathers did not know of as, but that is the land that you know of as Israel, okay? So Israel was made a nation in May 14th of 1948. Anybody in here predate that? Anybody in here was born before Israel was a nation? We got a couple like, what are you doing to me? Okay, so there's a few in here that are, are older than that. So your fathers, your, your ancestors uh, did not know of Israel as a nation. They just knew Israel as a people group. And so it's kind of funny uh, that we think of a country on the map where our grandparents did not. But this is the land that you know of today as Israel that God was promising to Abram and his descendants, okay? So similar things are going to happen to Abraham's son, Isaac. Similar things are going to happen to Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob will have his name changed by God to Israel. And so this is where we get Israel because Israel will have 12 sons. Those 12 sons will be the 12 tribes of Israel. And so everyone from this point forward, so these are the three patriarchs uh, of, of the nation of Israel, and through them, everyone will track their lineage. Are you from one of the 12 tribes of Israel? Now, out of these 12 sons, it goes down. I mean, if you've never read this, I believe it's going to start in Genesis chapter 37, where you pick up on the story of Joseph. Joseph is going to be uh, the 11th of the 12 children. Benjamin is going to come much later. Joseph does not get to meet him until later in life. But Joseph has a dream uh, that everyone in his family is going to begin to bow to him. They're going to need him to save them. And they get really mad and they throw him into a pit and out of the pit he will save his people. And this is where you begin to go, wait a minute, everybody's bowing to him, he saves his people out of the pit. This sounds like something that I've read in the New Testament. And it's true. Joseph, and we had a life group that actually studied this, uh, one, our life group that met in Cisco uh, studied this. It's fascinating if you've, if you've never read it or if you've never read it in the right context. Joseph is a precursor to Jesus. He was a light shining towards Jesus. He's a prototype of Jesus, if you will. And so Joseph comes in uh, to Israel as a slave because out of the pit, they throw him into a pit, and later they're like, you know what, let's just sell him. So they sell him as a slave. God sets him up and then gives him a dream, and he says, listen, when you go to, uh, or gives him a dream as he's a slave in Israel and says, um, I'm messing this up. He actually interprets the Pharaoh's dream that uh, there are going to be seven years of plenty and then there will be seven years of famine. And so Joseph interprets the, uh, the Pharaoh or the king's dream and says what you need to do is store up stuff for seven years and then you'll have it for you and the rest of the world for the seven years of famine. And so uh, Joseph is then put in charge. He is second only behind Pharaoh. And later in the land of Canaan, his family who are living in their promised land, in their home land, have to leave their home and take refuge in Egypt. 
Now, I'm going to give you this. Some of you, this is going to go over your head because you've never read these stories. That's okay. That's okay. But hold on to this. Hold on to this. The Bible doesn't waste words. The Bible doesn't give geographic locations. The Bible doesn't give names. The Bible doesn't list miracles that are just willy-nilly. They are all symbolic. They mean something. Okay? So, God's chosen people having to take refuge in Egypt is a foreshadowing of something that will happen later. Jesus is being hunted when he is born and has to take refuge in Egypt. That is also foreshadowing something else because Egypt is going to be symbolic of something. Okay, When you read Egypt, there's a few things that are thematic in the Bible. Oil is going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. All right, uh, Egypt is going to be talking about the Gentile world, about us, sometimes even referring to the church. See, for a Jewish person, they were referring to anyone as a non-Jew as a Gentile. And so many times these Jewish people, these people chosen by God, would have to seek refuge in the Gentile world. So for the last few years, the church, until Israel wakes up and understands that their Messiah has already come, the church is having to seek refuge in the Gentile world. Okay, so there's a huge picture that's being painted here. And I just wanted to give you, give, give you a little piece of this because it's going to make sense later, okay? So uh, this, is, this is Joseph. Joseph brings his family in to Egypt and says, I will take care of you here. Now, I think that prepares us for his family coming in. Joseph is about to meet his father who thought he was dead for the first time in a long time. And Genesis chapter 47 verse 1 through 4 says this. So Joseph went and informed Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in the land of Goshen. Goshen is going to be right outside of this main area that they're in. You now call it Cairo, but this is going to be on the Nile, and it's going to be somewhere where you can graze livestock. And so the people are there, separated from Egypt. Okay? He took five of his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked his brothers, what is your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, and this is what Joseph told them to say. I'm going to talk about this in a second. They said to Pharaoh, your servants, both we and our ancestors, are shepherds. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to stay in the land for a while because there is no grazing land for your servants, sheep, since the famine in the land of Canaan has been severe. So now, please let your servants settle in the land of Canaan. Goshen. All right, so this is going to catch you up. A little bit of history there. Sorry, we had to bog through that. I'm going to say some interesting things uh, the following weeks. I'm not going to go back through this. Okay, uh, so I'm just we're, we're just going to move forward because I don't want to give a history lesson for the first 20 minutes of every every message. But um, if you didn't know any of what I just said, that's okay. You're in the right place. 
No one expected you to walk into this place a Bible scholar. No one expects you to even walk into this place a Christian. You may be struggling with the concept that there is a God who created all of this. and That's okay. You're in the right place and we love you. And you are a friend no matter what you walked in here believing, okay? Uh, but all of the scripture will be on the screen and we would love for you to read this. I would love for you to read the story of Joseph. It's absolutely fascinating. All of these things we're finding validated through extra biblical history, through our archaeology. I mean, in every way, all of these things are coming to light, and it's incredible. As we get closer to the end, to where Jesus is coming back, we're getting more and more validation that this is the Word of God, and though the times have changed, it has stayed the same, and now it's just being proven over and over and over. It's incredible. I want you to read that. So if you don't have a Bible, please take one as you exit today. It is our joy for you to take. It's not a burden. It's a joy. Okay? Now, Israel, Jacob, comes into Egypt, and when he comes in, he gets to meet his son Joseph that he thought died at a young age. And Joseph brings all his brothers together, and he says, when Pharaoh asks, all you've ever done is herd sheep and goats, all you've ever will do is herd sheep and goats, and all you ever want to do is herd sheep and goats. Now, a little bit of Egyptian history here, and I'm not going to get super deep into this, but Egypt changed hands a few times. And so a somatic group came in who were largely herders, and they took over Egypt for some time. So Egypt basically uh, bucks this system and kicks these people out, but now... If you're a goat herder, it's like a slang term. And so they despise herders. They, don't, they still eat meat. It's not like they despise them. It's a derogatory term. Okay? They're essentially being racist now when they say this because they've had a fight against these people who came in and overthrew them who were herders. And so now it's kind of a cuss word in their land. Right? And so it's interesting that Joseph is telling them to place themselves as goat herders. Because what this will do, and Joseph knows this, is this will separate them from the Egyptians. I'm going to explain why that's important, but, but let's, let's look at this. Uh, he says, in verse 4, and they said to Pharaoh, we have come to stay in the land for a while because there is no grazing land for your servant sheep. We've come to stay in the land for a while. Some of yours, your Bibles will say, we have come to sojourn in the land. They're just passing through the land. Their home, as promised to Abraham, was Israel. But now they are in Egypt. There is a famine in Israel, and it is necessary to go to Egypt. Okay? There is no provision in Israel, but God has made provision in Egypt. Who made provision? Okay, God has made provision in Egypt. But God has promised this place. Because God is using this as a symbol for you, which is why we're studying it, which is why we're learning it, that there will be some places that you are supposed to be, but you're just supposed to be there for a little while. 
Joseph will later, before he dies, tell his family, when you leave this place, take my bones with you. He's telling them, don't stay. This is not your home. It is necessary for a little while. Is anybody picking up on this so far? It is necessary for a little while, but this is not home. And you have that on a grand scale in your life, and you have that on micro levels in your, house, in your life. Because your time on this earth, your time in this body with all its aches and pains, thank God, is temporary. There is a spirit inside of me. God first formed Adam, and then he <gasps> breathes life into Adam. And it is that spirit that God has placed in him, that spirit that is placed in you. How many of y'all still feel like, in my spirit, I'm still young, I can still run, I can still jump, and then your body's like, no, you can't. Because your spirit is eternal. It is still young. It is not aging. That's why you're surprised by the mirror. Because what's in me is still young. There's still vitality in here. But these hips... <laughs> yeah. God prepares a place. God gives them... Goshen. God is going to give you provision for what you need. Church, I too have bought eggs and milk lately. I understand. But God is going to give you provision. Do not grow weary in doing what is good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. God is going to make provision. And so, we're not going to leave my home, man. There's a drought, and God's the one in charge of the rain, but there's a drought. And he's trying to get you somewhere. And there are places that we have to go that are only supposed to be temporary, and there are places that we are that are only supposed to be temporary. Okay, so, so we're going to watch in this story both sides. We're going to see it necessary to go into Egypt, and we're going to see it necessary to leave Egypt. But what did God promise? And that's what you have to ask. What did God promise? There is a home for your spirit that has nothing to do with your location. Now, I said Egypt has a representation. Egypt is always the world, the Gentile nation. So you normally, you normally will see in the Bible that they go down to Egypt. It's normally not a good thing, but sometimes it is a necessary thing. The church, for example, is inhabited and being held up right now in Egypt, in the land of the Gentiles. But inside of the world, there is a special place called Goshen. You're in it right now. Now, this is just an auditorium. This is a building, but you are the church. And so Joseph said, when you come in, I want you to tell them you are goat herders. Now, is that all that they knew? Listen, 
when Abram left, he left a major city. It is very unlikely that he had ever lived in tents before. It is very unlikely that he ever uh, was, was a shepherd before. God called him out of a major city, and then he began to roam around, not being influenced by anybody else because he wanted to go where God would take him, and he didn't want to be um, um, molded into being like anyone else. And so even though they're in the land of Egypt, Joseph says, I know how sexy Egypt can be. So I want you in Goshen. I understand, and Jesus will tell you the same thing in the New Testament. You are going to be in the world, but do not be of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I understand that you're going to be in the world. I understand that there's going to be temptations. But that's why I have prepared Goshen for you. That's why I've made the kingdom of God for you. That's why I sent the Holy Spirit to you. Because you're going to be in Egypt. There was some weird stuff going on in Egypt. There was some weird stuff going on in Egypt. And God used that as a refuge for his people. And so they were there and it was necessary. But it was only necessary for a time. But it wasn't home. Now, now we get started. Exodus chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 6 through 7. Please go home. Read the story of Joseph. Fascinating. Read with me through Exodus. But I'm starting in verse 6. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. So, they're in Goshen, and they're killing it. But where's home? But Goshen has better grass than home, and we are getting a lot of livestock. But Goshen has, has Egypt. I mean, we, we have the pyramids right here. They've got a Sam's, a Costco, and a Super Target. Like, it really makes sense to stay here. It became very convenient to be where they were, but remember when they pulled up and talked to Pharaoh, they said, we're just here to sojourn. We're just here for a little while. We're just waiting out the drought. Well, how long did the drought last? Seven years. And they were halfway through it when they got there. They're only supposed to be there for a couple of years before they go home, but they waited. Now, was it bad to be in Goshen? I was in turmoil over this all week. I did a lot of study this week. Were they ever supposed to be in Goshen really? Was it bad to be in Goshen? Did they just stay too long in Goshen? Should they have stayed longer? Should they have waited it out? Should they, what, what should they have done? Because if you know the story of the Exodus, it's about to go down. Things are about to get hairy. And what I want to know is what you want to know. Where did they go wrong? Because I want to learn from their mistakes. You know what I think I've come up with? The same thing I would say to you. It really doesn't matter now, does it? Because it happened. 
And some of you (laughs) have been to Egypt. You've been a sojourner in a land. You stayed too long. And you guys know that anytime we stay too long and there's sin involved, sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. And sin will always cost you more than you want to pay. And so you go, I've been here too long. It's cost me too much. I did not want to go this far. Where did I go wrong? Church, look at me. Who cares anymore? Who cares anymore? Because the Father is leading you into an exodus. He's leading you somewhere. And you're like, but I was following God when I got here. So were they. So were they. But it was supposed to be temporary. Now, we have all made our home in a hotel at some point. I was just going to try it once. (laughs) It'll just be for a minute. I'll never get addicted to this. It's just a fun relationship right now. It's nothing serious. We've all made our home in a hotel. We've all made our home in some place that's not supposed to be home. It just started out as T-ball, and now my church hadn't been to my family hadn't been to church in ten years. It just started out as a phone and a way to get a hold of my family, <laughs> and now it takes me from my family. Right? It just started out as a job to take care of my family. And now my job is my family. Just started out having a good time, and now it's consumed me. Now, I just listed a lot of things, and uh, not even bad things. Not even bad things. There's nothing wrong with baseball. There's nothing wrong with a cell phone. There's something wrong with staying too long in a land that is not your home. And it begins to control me. And it begins to keep me. And I need to go, but I can't because, uh uh-oh, somebody came in and made me a slave. So, before you stay too long in Goshen, ask yourself, how do I measure success? Because we go somewhere temporary to get some level of success. I've got to switch jobs to get some money. And you have to. You've got to take care of your family. I've got to, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, social media is part of, of my job. And then just all of a sudden it, it consumes us. And all of these things. And they're not all evil things. But then I need to do more of it. And I need to be the best at it. And be careful because you might be the richest person in hell. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? So, can't stay too long in Goshen. I've really got to make tracks here. Exodus 1.8. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Ooh, listen to that phrase. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Whew, that's big. Hold on. He said to his people, verse 9, 
look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, against, uh, enemies fight against us and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. But they, they built Pithom and Ramses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And isn't that what has always happened to the church? The more the church is oppressed, the more the church is persecuted, the more it grows. This was your first sign that that would happen. 13, they worked the Israelites ruthlessly, made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar, and in all kinds of field work, they ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. A new Pharaoh came that did not know Joseph. Who did I tell you that Joseph is a prototype of? Okay, okay. And you got into something, and then all of a sudden it's not the same as when I first got there. Right? And so it just started off, some of y'all even predate social media, and this phone just started off as something I use for work, or this relationship just started off as something, or this place that I go to to seek refuge, it just started off as a place that I would be temporary, but then a new Pharaoh came in, didn't it? A new app came in, a new challenge came in, a new pay raise came in, a new description came in, and that Pharaoh did not know Joseph. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? has no intention of bettering you. Has no intention of leading you closer to Jesus. Because this new new Pharaoh doesn't know Jesus. That was their first sign that they should have gotten out. They had already stayed too long, and now a new Pharaoh comes in that does not know Joseph. But we're too comfortable by this point. And so they stay. And what happened? They were made a slave. It's funny. There are reports right now. This is just this is interesting to me, and I don't I don't, I don't care. I'm, I don't mean this in any political way. But apparently, the race of people with the highest IQ in the world are Jews. Interesting, isn't it? And we think, well, here's the thing: nobody's going to make me a slave. Because I'm a bad mammy jamma. I throw hands. Okay, okay. You're going to tell me that you've never been enslaved to anything? You're going to tell me that sin's never had a hold on you? You're going to tell me right now that you didn't let somebody run all over you? You're going to tell me that nothing has had a hold on you and you wanted to get away from it but you couldn't? Come on. Don't act tough with Jesus. He knows. He knows we can all be made slaves to something. Now, they should have known it was time to go. And they needed to stop staying where they didn't belong. Church, sometimes you know you're in a season of life. You're in a place in life where you just got to go. Don't overstay your welcome. But the Lord's the one that set it up. The Lord's the one that set up Goshen too. Okay? But Goshen eventually tried to, or Egypt tried to pull them away from ever going home. Psalm 8410. 
Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. Your home is with Jesus. Your home is with Jesus. Don't let your home be made by what surrounds you. Let your home be made by what is in you. You're not in charge of you anyways. <laughs> if you got baptized, if you gave your life to Jesus, you're not in charge anyways. Romans 6.4 We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. You were buried and raised to walk with Jesus. So I don't get to pick where home is anymore. He is my husband. I follow him. I am the bride of Christ. Where do you want to go? And that's where I follow. So if you are still in charge of your life, you need to get saved. I don't mean that derogatory or, or, or downgrading to anyone. But if you are in charge of your own life, you need to give your life to Jesus. Because if I'm not willing to follow him, I didn't get a Lord, I got an insurance policy. So when he says it's time to go, man, I got to go. But wait a minute. Isn't God in control? Isn't the one, isn't God the one that set them in Goshen? Then how could, and this is, man, this is what the world is saying. If God is good, then how could evil exist? Because of me. Which is why you follow this and not me, first of all. Because of our humanity, because I always have the option to not follow God. And that's what we call evil. And, and here's the problem with evil. It not only affects me, but it affects others as well. You've been affected by evil before. And you can always trace it back to when someone chose not to follow God, right? And so, well, why? Why would he allow them to be caught in slavery? And you have the same thing. We all have the same question. God, Why? If you wanted me to stay away from this, then why would you have done this? God, if you wanted young men to follow you, then testosterone was a bad idea. You're the one that set me up with this. You're the one that gave me these things. Why, God? I'm sure they're asking the same thing. Listen to Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So let me ask you this question. If the Egyptians had not gone into slavery, would we be talking about it today? Let me ask you this. Had you not gone into slavery, would you be sitting here today? If it weren't for your hard times, would you have known God at all? Would you know the power of God had He never had to deliver you from anything? And so we ask God why, and we ask God how could this happen, 
but then somebody else is saying, look at what my God has done. And it's the same story. We're just looking at the wrong side of it. Because when we talk about this story, maybe you know, maybe you, maybe you grew up watching Prince of Egypt from Disney or whatever, and maybe you're older and you, you know, watch Charlton Heston come out of this. You know that God is going to deliver them in a big way, and God can't deliver them from something that they were never in. Now, they got themselves there. They were supposed to be sojourners in the land. They were supposed to be there temporary. They stayed too long. How? Why? Doesn't matter because here's what matters. When they turn back to the God who never left them, He delivers them. And that is why we are here. That is why we are here in Ranger. That's why the church exists at all because we serve a God who delivers. And He set these people up to be a model for the rest of humanity that God would deliver us from the things that enslave us when they are too powerful for us. God will deliver you. And we spend too much time, and, and listen, I, I, it breaks my heart to say this, because you have stories that I don't understand. I've cried with many of you, because I don't get it. It's awful. I don't know why it would happen. But man, if I were sitting there uh, watching these, these Hebrew people being beaten by slaves and made to work countless hours in a day and just making their lives a living hell. I wouldn't have known what to said for them, but I do on this side of it. I said, this happened because you will be a testimony to the rest of the world what God can do to the ones who try to keep you from going home. God is going to take his children home. He's not taking no for an answer, and there is no slave master that can hold you from him. He will deliver his people. Now, our job is don't stay too long. Our job is follow the master, but his job is rescuing you from your own depravity and humanity. Top five Americans. I did a Google search. I didn't want to come up with my top five. Just the first search I could get. Here's the top five Americans that we can get. Let's just run through these quick. Abe Lincoln. Abe had to go through a few things. Abe had a few problems to solve. And had he not, you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have cared. None of you can tell me anything right now about President Cleveland. Half of you didn't even know there was a president in Cleveland. Because he didn't have the problems that Abe had. And so his problems brought him the glory. Next, Rosa Parks. A few problems, you think? A few problems, you think? Had she never faced the adversity that she had faced, you wouldn't know the name Rosa Parks. You didn't know this about her, but she was a phenomenal woman. Volunteering, servant at her church, a great Christian woman. But it was the problems that gave deliverance to her and her people. All right, keep going. We've got to go even faster than this. Okay, anybody know George? Wasn't wood. That's not why he's not smiling. It was actually hippo ivory. He had wired in. Had a few problems he had to face. Keep going. This is not my top five. This is their top five. MLK, baby. Any problems there? Would you have known him? He'd have just been another preacher somewhere. Keep going. I got nothing. 
I got nothing because I don't even understand. Dude, you start talking quantum physics, and apparently he probably solved a problem that nobody even knew existed. That's why he wasn't in my top five. Are you trying to deny yourself, your children, and the world access to God by denying yourself an exodus? Because one thing that you will discover as we go through this, they get very famous because of their God. And the world knows who God is. And the world even begins to join in. And there are people who are now in the lineage of Jesus who wouldn't have been there had it not been the fame of what God did in the Exodus. What will come of you leaving sin? What will come of your Exodus? How many people will see God work in your Exodus? How many of you are on the ropes right now and you say, unless God intervenes, I don't know what will happen. You're in a pretty neat place. Do not deny the Lord. Go ahead and tithe. Go ahead and serve. Go ahead and do all the things that God commands you to do because He will make the provisions. Who will get saved because of what you have to go through? What gifts does your Father have for you? Oh, you're going to find out they're going to get gifts. And then lastly, worship team, I want you to come up. What will it be like when you finally make it home? See, all I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world, but give me Jesus. This ain't home, fellas. God has something for you, and He wants to deliver you from things so that you can go home and set up a temple and hear from God. See, there was spiritually silence for most of this time. And God wanted the people to go home and make their sacrifices and worship and he wanted to speak, and he wanted to commune with them. And so they were successful in a lot of ways, but they had the wrong metric because although they were multiplying in children, they were multiplying in livestock, they weren't hearing from God. Oh, they will soon. You just tune in because the exodus is coming, and they're going to hear from God, and so will you. But first, they're going to have to commit to leaving they're slave masters, and so will we. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will deliver us from the sin that keeps us, God. Lord, I know that it has been on my own will that I have stayed too long so many times, and that is for all of us, God. I just, I just know it. God, some of us have been in a terrible place. Some of us have been in a good place, but there's, there's always an exit that you want us to take, transforming our minds and running to you instead of the world. God, I just pray for your people that we won't miss that exit. God, I pray that people will get saved, that they'll give their lives to you. And Lord, that's your business. That's your business. God, I pray that you will rock them. I pray that you'll be with your people. I pray that you will speak to them all week long. I pray that they will come to the, to, to the front after service today and, and pray and receive you, God, that you would just begin to speak to them. Holy Spirit, we thank you for speaking right now already. Thank you for your goodness. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Okay, the worship team is here. They're going to do a song. We want you to worship with us. We want you just to spend a time praying in that. Uh, the prayer team. Prayer team, actually, if you'll go ahead and stand up and come on up to the front. Uh, and you'll, you'll know that those who are uh, standing or who are sitting up in the front, you will know that these are on the prayer team. And so if you have something that the Lord is speaking with you about, we would love for you uh, to come up. They'll be just sitting here on the front row and you, you just, just grab them. And they would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. The worship team would love to pray with you. Uh, you say, you know what? I'm a little bit socially awkward. I'm shy. I've got things I need to talk about later. That's what that connection card is. This is best case scenario. We want to pray with you. We really do. Uh, but also, you have that connection card. You can fill that out. Drop that in the basket. Nobody's selling your information. We just want to, we just want to be there with you. Call you during the week if that's what you want. Uh, but if God is dealing with your heart, move on it. Okay? When Siri says, take this exit, you better start merging lanes now, okay? Because you do not want to miss it. So please stand and worship with us.